Hello and welcome to episode 12 of the True North CFL Podcast. I'm your host, Jimmy Leach. You can follow me on Twitter at aka Jimmy Leach. I'm Taylor Curry, and you can follow me on Instagram and Twitter at TaylorCurrySK. And I'm Carter Kennington. You can follow me on Instagram at Carter Kennington. All right, now, Taylor, can you plug our socials real quick? Yeah, absolutely. You can follow us uh, on YouTube. Just search True North CFL Podcast, so make sure you follow us there. Uh, we're on Spotify as well. Search our name, you'll find us. Uh, our Twitter is True North CFL Pod, and our Instagram is True North CFL Podcast. So go give us a follow and uh, check out some of our content and make sure to tell us what you think. Our Instagram, I've noticed, is doing pretty well. We just eclipsed 100 followers this week. Hey! Now, Ooh. we need to work Bro. on our Twitter, because our Twitter, it doesn't have enough followers. So definitely go and follow. Our at is True North CFL Pod, but if you search True North CFL Podcast, you'll find us. Absolutely. So we'll kick it off with game one here. This game... It was actually fairly close, surprisingly. Montreal beat Ottawa 42-32. Now, how was Ottawa able to stay in this game for so long? It was a four-point game early in the fourth quarter. Um, I think that maybe our Montreal was kind of taking it easy. You know, they're not they're not looking to lose any bodies before the playoffs, so... I think that played a factor into it, uh, and I think maybe Montreal or Ottawa was just kind of like this: is the final hoorah, let's get this done. Um, but it, I mean, yeah, like it, it. It looks like Montreal rested a couple starters, so I think that played uh, the biggest role into it. Um, yeah, I mean, I think this game was only close because Montreal let it be close until yeah. Um, you know, yeah, it's like in any other like if this was like. Three weeks ago, this scoreline would be so much more different. Maybe not on Montreal's side, but like on the Ottawa side, that number won't be that high. Yeah, for sure. I just, I don't think the Ottawa defense was, or not the Ottawa defense, sorry, the Montreal defense was very passive, so I think it allowed Ottawa to do a little bit more than they would do normally. So I think that's part of the reason. And yeah, as you mentioned, a lot of their starters were also resting, so... I think it's a combination of those two things. Yeah. I will give credit to Ottawa for, after an abysmal year, putting on a show for their, you know, fans for the last game at home and the last game of the year. So props to them yeah, for at least, least yeah, trying. At least, was, at least there was like, you know, it was an entertaining game, you know? Yeah, it was a like fun one to 42 watch. 42 to 32, like, yeah. And I mean, they had almost 25,000 fans at the game. So, yeah, they kept it entertaining for the fans that were there when they knew it was a nothing game. Absolutely. Now, again on the Red Blacks, were there any bright spots for them looking looking ahead to next year? You know, I think they do have a good receiving core. They just need someone consistently that can throw them the ball. Like, Brad Sinopoli is a good receiver. RJ Harris. Uh, Caleb Hawley, Dominic Rhymes, like they're all great receivers, but they just haven't had good quarterbacks throwing to them. So I think if they can get a good quarterback next year, then that's something to look forward to. Um, now I'm going to take this question in a little bit of a different direction than what you took that. Um, I'm going to look at the, at the team identity side of things. 
And to look forward for next year, for me as an Ottawa fan, you know, you're playing that nothing game and you put your heart and soul into that game. Like you played to win that game. And, you know, there, there can be teams and like rosters of players who wouldn't do that. So it's nice that, you know, you have, your team has that never say die attitude that they're going to put everything into every game. So that's yeah. sort of like what I'm excited for is that, you know, they're going to keep hammering away. Oh, yeah, for sure. Um, I think there's certain, yeah, like their receiving core is decent. I think Dominic Rhymes, RJ Harris, Brassinopoli, those are all good receivers. Their line isn't bad. I think, you know, they, they've got pieces on the defense, like Pruno is a really good player. They, uh, and just, de- but they definitely have a lot to improve on, for sure. Like, they definitely need oh, to find yeah. a quarterback. They need to <laughs> fix what's well, wrong in the st- defense, because something's wrong there, whether that's the D-line or the secondary, I'm not sure. Well, I think it's a bit of both. I mean, they're not getting a lot of pressure every game, and you know, you're not seeing their linebackers or their DBs make game-winning plays like other teams are. So, I, yeah. yeah, I think that's their biggest point of, mo- of improvement next year is quarterback and defense. Yep, so hopefully Ottawa can take, you know, some good things out of this year and look to the future and hope for good things. Yeah, they're fun to watch when they're good. Oh, no yeah. doubt, yeah. And yeah. That fan base there is one of the better ones in the East, and we don't want to, oh, yeah. we don't want them losing games and losing fans, especially with that city who's lost two of their franchises before. So, yeah, yeah. all all the best for Ottawa is you, what you're getting from this podcast. Yep. Now Montreal scored their first defensive touchdown of the season. What does this say about their defense? Are they improving? Is that a bad thing? What do you guys think? Well, I think that they played a bad team. Uh, like, Ottawa's still a bad team. Uh, I think that had a big factor into it. And I think uh, Montreal's defense hasn't been good all year. I think they let up the most yards, like, per game. Uh, I mean, they've won some big scoring games, but they've given up so many points per game as well. So uh, it's going to be a concern going into Hamilton if they beat Edmonton. I think for sure. I mean, yeah, like like I said before, it, it you know it, it is a game that means nothing, and you know it was it was a close game, but like yeah, your first defensive like touchdown is gonna come against an Ottawa that is probably just you know throwing anything they've got in the playbook at you. So like they're not running probably like if you know it was like playing for a playoff spot or something. Like that's not very you know comforting as a Montreal fan, you know. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I just again that can't be great if you're Montreal. Uh just just scoring it now at the very end of the year again against a bad team, but I just don't think it's the way their defense works. They're very, very, very passive. Yeah. Whereas, you know, certain teams that score a lot of touchdowns they tend to be a bit more aggressive. So I think that's just a byproduct of their system and how they play the game rather than a good or a bad thing, in my opinion. Yeah. On to Edmonton versus Saskatchewan. Saskatchewan won this game 23-13. to Now, with Cody Fajardo being injured for this game, how did Isaac Harker look? 
Uh, I think he looked pretty good for a rookie making his first start. Uh, 82% completion rate, 213 yards, no turnovers. He didn't have a touchdown, but no turnovers is the big key there. Um, like, if he was, if Fajardo was hurt for the playoffs, I would definitely be concerned. But, uh, no, Isaac played good for a first game, and I'm excited to see what the future holds for him. Uh, yeah, I mean, looking at his stats, yeah, 23 for 28. Um, Average of nine point three. I wanted to see the long stat, but they don't have that on the uh, on the app, which is what I'm using at the moment. Um, I always like to see if they can gun it, even if it's just once a game. Oh, Harker's got a good um, arm. Yeah. Um, I did. I wasn't able to catch the uh, entirety of this game, unfortunately. So, um, I'm gonna be working off of just intel from the stats. But like, yeah, the stat line looks good, and it's yeah, like it's better than what I would have expected from him. I mean, obviously the no touchdowns isn't great, but yeah, like you said, no like no turnovers. That's more important than the no touchdowns. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I was a huge fan of Harker when they were kind of having the battle for the backups in Saskatchewan. I just I thought Harker played really well in the preseason that I followed. Whereas Cody had a good game, and then he played like crap the other game, so it was just like, oh, you know, and then. When Zach got hurt, as anyone who knows Zach Caleros' career would know, he would get hurt eventually. It was between Fajardo and Harker. I thought Harker was going to win that battle, but Cody showed everyone that, you know, he really came out of his shell and became an elite QB. Yeah. And, yeah, I mean, being a fan of Harker, I was glad he at least got an opportunity to start. And, yeah, for a raw rookie... He did really well, I thought. He didn't, yeah, he didn't turn the ball over. I think he would have scored at least one or two touchdowns if they had let him finish his drives because whenever Saskatchewan got into the red zone, they swapped him out with Brian Bennett, and yeah. they kind of just ran the ball. They, he wasn't really a threat to throw. So I think if you had kept Harker in in the red zone, I think he probably would have scored a touchdown, and that's... Yeah, even then, I think he had a pretty good game. So, we had our first global player start a CFL game. This was Diego Vimontes. He was the first pick in the Mexican Football League draft. Now, now that it's the end of the regular season, how do you think CFL 2.0 has gone so far? Uh be honest i'm not the biggest fan of it uh i don't like that it's taking jobs away from canadians in the canadian football league um like i think it's a good idea to get your name out there like it's a it's a good publicity thing but i think it could affect the canadian game down the road so i'm not the biggest fan of it and i haven't seen uh the benefit of it yet because i mean a lot of these guys that they have as the global players they're sitting on the sidelines every game. Like we don't, we don't see many of them play. And if they do, they're not in big impact roles or starting roles. Um. Yeah. First of all, I do want to say congratulations to uh, to Diego Vimontes. Um, like congratulations, man. Um, I'm sure you've put in work for the entire year to get this opportunity. I'm glad that you got it. But yeah, I I agree with Taylor. I just don't see the long term like positives from this plan um 
I mean, I understand trying to build it into an international brand. Like, if you're trying to fight the NFL, then you pretty much have to market, like, market yourself everywhere else in the world in order to build up that brand. But I don't think that's what CFL's trying to do. I don't really know what CFL's like end goal for this is, whether it's just to get bigger or what. So I'm sort of still a little on edge by it, but I mean, it's been okay so far, at least. I am going to go ahead and say it's a mixed, uh, it's been mixed with success. Like we've had a couple that have been solid rotation guys, like Theodric Hansen in Winnipeg, for example, he's made some impact plays for that team. And, you see global players making plays here and there, so I don't think it's necessarily that bad of a thing. I don't think it's taking a job away from a Canadian. I believe they added a roster spot for the global players specifically. So I don't think it's hurting any Canadian players in that way. And to answer your question, Carter, as a business major, I can tell you exactly why they're doing this. It's for the Ooh. TV deals and the money that comes with that. Ah. CFL uh-huh. is looking to open up new revenue streams. So, like we just saw, they got a TV deal with Mexico, so they're generating more money from that. And they got that deal surely because they were recruiting Mexican players. And they're trying to aim at expanding their deals in Europe. At, you know, their host. Well, it's like... And, yeah. I know I know that they've um I know that they've reached out to the German league. Yep. And then they've recruited a lot of players from there. And I think there's another one as well as um the Mexican league is going to do a Canadian players draft. Oh yeah, they did that already. Yeah. Oh they did? Yep, we're gonna talk about that in news. I if you wanna go and look before that, I I posted the link of all the players that got drafted. So yeah. We got that covered and yeah, it's, it's, I don't know. I think, I think it's been a mixed thing. And I know they were talking about these aren't the best players from Europe that came over this first year. And we're going to see better players in the future. So I, I'm looking forward to it. I, I think it'll get better as it goes on. But this year it's been pretty mixed. Yeah, I mean, I truly hope it does get better. You know, like, I'm not hoping that the league fails. So yeah, no doubt. Yeah. <laughs> Now, is there any concern for the Riders' offense going into the playoffs? Because they looked pretty stagnant against Edmonton's defense for most of the game. Uh, I don't think so. I mean, it's just, you know, they they rested some people, and they weren't going 110%, I don't think. Like, they wanted the win, but, you know, uh, I have heard rumors that Cody wasn't actually hurt, and they were uh, just trying to let him rest for the week. Um so I really just think that uh, everything will be fine for them as long as they play like they should be playing. I mean, yeah, you have to take pretty much every like every result from this week with a grain of salt because, you know, all these games pretty much except maybe Calgary, BC, you know. And even then, BC didn't really have much to play for. Calgary did. But, like, you know, a lot of these teams, their seeding is set. Yeah. Like, you know, I mean, Saskatchewan did have to play hard. But, like, you know, they're playing against an Edmonton who's, like, locked into their position. So, you know, you're able to rest some guys but still, like, play hard. I think I think there's, like, very, very minimal concern. But, like, you know, 90%, you know, you're just, you're solid, you're ready to go. Especially now that you have the bye week. Possibly yeah. some guys, yeah. but yeah. Yeah, that's an interesting take, Taylor, that you... 
You think they were just resting Cody? Rather than yeah, he was hurt. I heard, I heard some rumors that, uh, yeah, he wasn't actually hurt. And oh. Instead of getting Ryderville all up in a, a stink to try to get first place, they came up with a possible story that he was more injured than they all kind of let on, and just to kind of keep the fans quiet. So That's interesting. That. Mm. Yeah, maybe we'll hear a story about that on a three down in the off season or something where Yeah, maybe Dustin Dunks uncovering that. But I don't know. I, I don't I feel like Cody wouldn't lie to the fans like that though, part of me, because he's like he seems like an honest dude. I just I don't feel like he'd come out and lie like that, you know? I don't think he would either, but I maybe it's they're not telling the a hundred percent truth with it that it's not as bad as it was, like yeah, I think if we needed him to, he would have played, but we technically didn't need him to, so they were willing to risk it. Yeah, that's definitely an interesting take, and yeah, the Riders' offense, it doesn't concern me at all going into the playoffs. I think Cody will be back, and the offense will be fine. Mm-hmm. So for our third game of the week, we had Toronto versus Hamilton. Hamilton coming out on top in that one. 21 to 18 at home. So, with Krukop and O'Connor both getting a half in this game, what did you think of their performances? You know, not bad. I mean, they didn't let Krukop throw a whole bunch. He only threw nine passes. Uh, O'Connor only threw 16. But, I mean, uh, Krukop had 118 yards and O'Connor had 112. So, I think there's things to look forward to in the future. Uh, you develop these guys, get a good veteran presence in front of them next year. And uh, I, I mean, I think they have a lot to look forward to in the future, but they still have some time to wait. For. Uh, yeah, I mean, they didn't, looking at these, they didn't give him a lot of passes. Back, a lot less than what I thought he got that game. Um, only nine attempts for Prukop. And I mean, he got a touchdown, 118 yards, like, for four passes that are like for four completions, that's not, you know, like that's solid. I mean, he's getting it downfield at least. And I mean, O'Connor's throwing it fairly, you know, more consistently 10 for 16, 112, uh, 11.2 average. So, like, they're both getting first downs. I think, um, you know, I think you still go with MBT. Like, obviously, that's your guy, but like, you know, you got two very, like, you know, I'm excited for the backups in that position as well. Like, I think the quarterback position, if they keep MBT and they keep either one of these guys, I think their quarterback position will be pretty safe for the next little bit. I would like for them to keep both. I think Prukop might be a free agent this year, but if I'm a Toronto fan, I'm happy with the way both of these guys performed. Uh, obviously, you guys talked about Prukop throwing for only nine passes, but he also... Ran for a couple more yards, ran for 3 for 14. He's more of a scrambling type of quarterback, so... Yeah, I I, I kind of chalk it up to that. Whereas O'Connor's more of a pocket passer, so... Mm-hmm. 10 for 16 is definitely a good number for him, too, as a raw rookie, too. We were just talking about Harker earlier. But yeah, I think if you're a Toronto fan, you have some positives at your end that you're... Young depth quarterbacks are both very good. Yeah. Now, is is Hayden Moore's performance a concern for you if Dane Evans gets injured? 
Oh, if Dane Evans get injured, uh, they're screwed in Hamilton. Um, I mean, everyone kind of thought when Mazzoli got hurt that they would fall off, and luckily they didn't for the Hamilton Tiger Cats, but I don't think Hayden Moore is the next Dane Evans, so I think if anything were to happen to Dane Evans, yeah, I think they're I think their uh, Grey Cup hopes are done. Yeah. Lightning will not strike twice in this situation. The backup's yeah. not going to save the team. Not again. Like, you know, 18 for 28, that's like that. When you look at just that, that's not awful. 12.1 average yards per pass, that's not awful. But boom, four interceptions dropped on you. Yeah. And all of a sudden, you know, those numbers, that, like, that looks atrocious. Yeah. So. Those f- no, yeah, I'm I'm scared. I'm scared. If Dane Evans goes down, I don't think he will, but like if he goes down, you're done. It's over. Yeah, I think if Dane goes down, they are hooped. Like really four interceptions, man. When you're when your numbers are comparable to David Watford's, you're in trouble. Like <laughs> Like as someone who follows the riders mostly, you look at how David Watford did last year, he was brutal, and then he 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 also played in this game. He was sixty three percent completions for seventy four yards, which is fine. And especially standing beside those Hayden Moore numbers, you know, twenty eight attempts, eighteen completions, two hundred eighteen yards, and four picks. Like that that number scares me. If I'm a tie cat. Yeah. All right, so where are we here? All right. So, will anyone stop Hamilton from winning the Grey Cup? You know, I think it's going to be tough. Um, Actually, on the Rod Peterson show on their Instagram, they posted that for the past five years, uh, the East champ and the West champ have went to the Grey Cup. So, if that stays true, that's going to be a great game between Saskatchewan and Hamilton. And I honestly think that's the only team that has a chance of stopping them. Uh, I think they would have Calgary's number, but it would be in Calgary. So it would be a home grade cup for Calgary, which would make it more interesting. Uh, yeah, so maybe just Saskatchewan and Calgary would have a chance. I don't see Winnipeg having a chance if they got there. Uh, and Montreal would put up a fight, but since it's in Hamilton, I think they walk away with that one pretty easy when they beat Edmonton, sorry. Yeah. I mean... I think it's I think it's a difficult call because yeah, I mean I think personally I'm trying really hard to get to stop my Winnipeg bias from coming out. Um I think that the Western team I think I think any whichever Western team goes can make it a competitive game. I think out of the three, Gatron probably has the best odds of actually winning though. Um and yeah, I think I think Hamilton easily makes it to the Grey Cup. This is sort of what I've been saying every time we bring up this type of a question. I think Hamilton makes it. For some reason, I just don't think they'll win. I don't see it happening this year. Yeah, I don't see it happening either. I think a lot of people are sleeping on Montreal and their ability to just win games. And I think Edmonton could honestly give Hamilton a run for their money too, just with their style of play. So, I think Hamilton's got a more difficult journey than some people think. Um... I don't think they're just going to walk right into the Grey Cup. And if they do, they're in for a rude awakening because those three Western teams are all scary. Yeah. If, if I'm coming from the East, I don't want to face any of those three. So, 
I don't think Hamilton walks into the Grey Cup and wins it. So for our final game of the week, we had actually a fairly good game between Calgary and BC. Calgary did come out on top, though, 21-16. to Now, how was Brandon Bridge? Because he got to play at the end of the game here. Do you think he's earned a chance to stay at the backup spot next year? You know, I think he deserves at least a chance. Like, I personally think he's a better quarterback than Danny O'Brien. Uh, he did nothing but succeed when he had Jarius Jackson in Saskatchewan. That was his great year he had before his bad year after Jarius left. So I think they're a good pair together. He knows a couple guys on the team. Uh, you know, I, I think that he should be the backup there next year. I mean, yeah, I agree. I mean, he, he played great in the one half that he got. I was personally sat there, you know, as someone hoping that BC would get that win. I was sat there the entire time just being like, put Bridge in, put Bridge in. Because I think he was, because I kept thinking that he was going to take his situation and run with it, which he did. Um, yeah, I think he's definitely earned the, the backup spot for next year in BC. I agree with you, Carter. Watching that game, I thought when O'Brien versus Bridge was in, I think Bridge gave you the best chance to win that game. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people like to criticize Bridge for, oh, he's inaccurate. He can't stay in the pocket. Well, he was throwing darts for most of that game. Exactly. You know, exactly so those, those people can go back to the back. You know, they just... I know it always bothered me. I thought Bridge got ragged on way too hard when he left Saskatchewan. Um, well, the biggest thing—I know this is more biased, but like the biggest thing that came from, that I saw, like the biggest pass was the—it was one that he put like just high enough that Ryan Lankford could reach it, and it's just out of reach so that the defender yeah. couldn't get it, and like Lankford almost broke it and hook it. Yeah, yeah that no. was a beautiful pass. Yeah, exactly. Like, like, I saw that, and I was just hyped. That throw was amazing. Like, Bridge has an arm. People forget about that. Like, they say, oh, cool. he's not accurate, but, like, he, he's he, got an arm. He's got an arm, and he was accurate in that game. He was threading the needle and making some really nice throws. So, I really hope that he gets the chance to stick around, because I think he is, yeah, I agree with you, Taylor. He's better than Danny O'Brien. And, yeah, I, I just want him to have a job because he's really the reason we have Canadian quarterbacks counting as starters in this league. Yeah. So I owe him a bit of gratitude there for that. And just, I, I really hope he has, he gets the backup job next year. Now on to our next question. With virtually no running game, can Calgary compete with Saskatchewan and Winnipeg? You know, I really like, when you have 36 rushing yards in your last game of the year, I don't think you can do that in the playoffs. I think you need to have a balance. You can't just have one-dimensional passing football. It it works for Calgary, but, I mean, teams are going to catch on, and they obviously have. And when you're going up against Winnipeg, and if you win that, going up against Saskatchewan, like they're, they'll know what they're doing, and they'll stop you. And even if you try to run at this point, I think it's going to be tough to establish that run game. Uh, so I, I think it's really going to hurt them coming up in the playoffs. I mean, yeah. I'm, I mean, you know Winnipeg's sort of known for being looser on their zone defense, but if you're not going to run the ball at all, they'll tighten that up. They're going to play so much more aggressive on the pass because that's all you're doing. So for me, I mean, and I think you go into, you go into Saskatchewan, that situation's just going to get worse because they don't start hanging back. Like, they go for you. 
Yeah, for sure. I just, I think you can get away with that against a team like BC, who's, they've kind of climbed their way out of the dumpster fire tier of teams. They've started to become more legit near the end of the year as teams. I honestly thought they actually had a chance of getting into the playoffs at the end of the year, but yeah, you're not going to get away with having no run game against an elite team like Winnipeg or Saskatchewan. Those teams both have elite defenses that can take away the passing game. And then when you have to run it and you just can't, then you're in trouble. So mm -hmm. I, I don't think Calgary is going to get away with that in the playoffs at all. Now, you guys, Calgary has been the gold standard of the league for a very long time. Are they the favorites to win the Grey Cup this year? You know, I really, in my mind, I don't think they, like usually my answer would be yes, but since they didn't win the division title this year, I think it's a no. And I mean, I think Hamilton has a, I think Hamilton has an easy road to the Grey Cup. Uh, we'll see soon, but. Uh, no, I, I really don't think they're the Grey Cup favorites this year. If I had to pick anyone, it would be Saskatchewan or Hamilton. Um, I'm saying absolutely not. Now, I'm being way more on the one side. There's no way they're the favorites. You're going to let a BC Lions team that has nothing to play for, and you're a Calgary team fighting for home field, you're going to let them take it pretty much to the last play of the game for you to lock that down? That's unbelievable. That's not going to fly in playoffs. You will get demolished if you think that same game plan is going to work against against Winnipeg, against Saskatchewan, against whoever makes it out of the East. It's just it'll it'll be a wrap. I don't think I think every I think any other team except Edmonton has a better chance than them. Of up. I think Hamilton definitely does because they have an easier path, and I think the Riders do because again they have an easier path. Those are. The two teams for me that are ahead of Calgary in terms of chances of winning. But, yeah, they're certainly not my favorite. And even if they did make it, they do have a propensity to kind of choke away games in the Grey Cup. They've done it a couple times with Ottawa in recent memory. Mm -hmm. So, even if they make it, you know, they, they might not win. So, that's my two cents. I don't think they're the favorite this year. I think the favorite's either Hamilton or Saskatchewan. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So on to our fantasy segment this week. Well, to be honest with you, with only four teams playing this week, it's been hard to find picks in some areas. Uh, value picks specifically, there really isn't any. The only one I could find was Dante Abshir for twenty five hundred dollars. He had a he's had he had a pretty good game last week. He's filling in for Devere Posey, who's been injured and has been pretty good. And I don't think Posey is one of those guys that were just resting like Quan Bray. I think he's actually hurt. So if that's the case, look for Abshire to have some decent games for you at 2500 bucks. guys have any that I missed? Uh, well, I'd add... Uh... If if he's healthy, Chris Matthews, if he plays at thirty four twenty two, uh, I mean he he's been kind of they've been using him a lot there at the end of the season when he was actually playing. Like the last week he played, he had four catches, fifty five yards, and a touchdown. So he could be good. The other one would be Kevin Elliott from Edmonton. He only had one catch last week, but he had six the week before for eighty eight yards. So 
I'd expect to see some good, uh, good competition out of him against Montreal coming up. Uh, yeah, I agree with you guys. It's pretty much impossible to find some good value picks now. You know, you get into the playoffs, and even like you know, Mayala's jumped up in price, rightfully so. But I mean, yeah, it's really difficult to find. You know, everyone's getting super expensive now. Yeah, no doubt. So we'll just jump right into the best positional options here. Uh, we have Vernon Adams, who's going up against Edmonton. He's $10,169. Trevor Harris is just over $9,800. And Bo is $9,566. Did you add, you guys pick uh, Zach Claros this week, since he's the only quarterback I didn't mention? Uh, no, I wouldn't be picking him this week. Um... I just think it's too risky. You're in Calgary. Uh, I got Bo in my lineup personally, so I'm sticking with Bo. Um, I'm not going with Caleros, but I'd understand if someone did. Because, you know, you want to get some serious star power in a different position. You're still getting a starter for, like, what is it for Caleros right now? Still 5K or somewhere around there? Uh, yeah, so, I think he's just in the higher 5K range. Yeah, exactly. yeah 56, so 47. So if you're still trying to, like, get that star power somewhere else, then, like, you know, Caleros, he's a starter. He's a starter for a reason. He'll do pretty well. Like, so, yeah, I mean, I could understand it. I'm personally not, though. If I had to rank those picks, I'd probably be Trevor Harris VA Bo because Trevor Harris is going up against that Montreal defense that allows a lot of passing yards and touchdowns, which, even though I don't think they're going to win that game, spoiler alert, um, I just, yeah, I just, I think Trevor Harris is a good pick. I think he's going to get a lot of yards. I think he's going to throw a couple touchdowns. So, he's he's a good pick, I think. Now, for running backs, we have Andrew Anabolic Harris at $9,172. <laughs> William Stanback at $6,847. And Shaq Cooper at $5,428. Now, are you guys risking picking anyone in the Hamilton backfield knowing the uncertainty there? Uh, no, definitely not. I have Andrew in my lineup. Um, I would be hesitant with Shaq Cooper, though. Uh, Edmonton did just sign one or two other running backs this week, which probably means C.J. Gable's not going to be good to play. But from what I'm hearing, they could be rotating running backs a lot during the game. So uh, Shaq Cooper might not give you the output that you want for points. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm not going with anybody. Like, I'm not going with anybody outside of that top three. Like, I'm going with Harris as my guy. Um, I think, you know, I think he's going to have an explosive game. He's led the league in rushing again, even with that two-week suspension. I think that he's going to showcase a little bit more of that strength. Going into this game, yeah, I'm inclined um, yeah. to agree with you there. Uh, I I have Andrew Anabolic Harris in my lineup too. I think he'll be juiced up and ready to go. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you know I gotta They're get those jabs. They're not before in. the playoffs. Yeah, really. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so moving on to receivers, um, I have Reggie Bagleton at nine thousand six hundred twenty-four dollars. Reggie Mayala at $5,533. Juan Bray, who I know it lists him as injured on fantasy, but I think he, they were just resting him last week. 
at $5,348, and Josh Huff at $4,132. Anybody you would add there? Uh, maybe I would add, uh, yeah, maybe you, Lewis, for Montreal. They have a really good connection together. Uh, the other guy would be Greg Ellingson. It also says he's injured, but they were just resting him last week. Uh, against that Montreal defense, Trevor Harris could throw for 400 yards, but it's just a matter of who he throws to. It is risky, but he is a potential uh, good candidate. Yeah, I mean, I'm going, I mean, my main receiver, the guy that I'm hoping for, you know, I'm going with my all. I mean, I've been ever since, uh, I think it was the second time we had him on value picks was when I started choosing him. And I just, I've had him every week since then because he's just been consistently at that level, the point where, yeah, they've pretty much doubled his price point. So, I mean, still good enough for me to pick him. Well, good to hear you're getting the reward from that. For me, my wide receiver one this week that I have in my lineup is Josh Huff, and then I have Dante Abshear, uh, depending on the depth chart and what comes out of that. I may change that, but I put a defense in my lineup this week, so maybe if I take that out, I can pick a more expensive receiver. Now, for team defense people, there's really only one option, I feel like, this week. And I think that's Calgary's defense at $4,119. I just... It's Calgary. Um, Montreal's defense, I feel like, actually might get you negative points. And I feel like that Edmonton-Montreal game is going to be a shootout. So, you definitely want to stay away from that when you're looking at fantasy defense. So... Yeah, I'm going with Calgary's defense. What do you guys think? Yeah, I think if you have to pick a defense this week, Calgary's the way to go. Uh, they're at home and against Winnipeg. I know Caleros had a good game last week, but this is on the road in the cold where it could be minus 23. Uh, you know, Zach's kind of second game of the year. I think that's not adding up for him, so Calgary would be a good way to go. Uh, yeah, I mean, it just makes the most sense for a defense. I mean, personally, you know, I'm ne- I am never on the team defense, and I don't think I'm starting now. I might have to, but I don't think so at the moment. So, I mean, I'm going to be sticking with uh, my no defense, but I understand the people who do, and I understand this week especially why you'd go for Calgary. Yeah, fair enough. Now, moving on to our locks. I have Trevor Harris at $9,805. I just, I feel like he has the best matchup in terms of defenses this week because Winnipeg's got a good defense, Calgary's got a good defense, Eminem's got a respectable, aggressive defense. But Montreal, their defense is very passive, they give up a lot of yards. And I think Trevor Harris is going to put up numbers in that game. Uh, I got Bo Levi Mitchell for my lock this week at $9,566. Um, in the last two games against Winnipeg, he's thrown for 687 yards, seven touchdowns, and one pick. And he's combined 30 points one game, 23.5 fantasy points uh, a game before against Winnipeg. So I think he's going to be a good pick, especially playing in Calgary. And I mean, I've talked about him earlier. I talked about him earlier this segment. I'm going with Mayala at $5,533. I'm going with him. He's just, you know, like I said before, he's just been, he's a good, good price still somehow. That's just been getting 
like staying consistent, getting big numbers. He's, he's nice to have on your lineup. Pretty much always getting you around those like 15-ish now, it's, which is nice. Yeah, I, I would say that's a nice pick. I'll, I like Herji Mayal. Like I said, I can't afford him in my lineup right now, but I might pick him if the situation changes. Hmm. So unfortunately, Carter had to step out. You will hear him at the end of the show. We recorded our predictions before news here, so I'll just get right into it. Mike Cleason has retired, played from 2013 to 2019 with Montreal, Calgary, and Ottawa. What else? All right. So 25 Canadians were selected in the Mexican Football League draft this week, according to Three Down Nation. They have all the picks on there. Broncos promoted Brett Ripien, son, or Mark Ripien's nephew in BC Lions' Neglis quarterback to their active roster. Ripien is applying for Canadian citizenship, which, if he gets it, he'll be considered a national if he ever makes it to the CFL. Brad Sinopoli recently broke an Ottawa record. He passed Tony Gabriel for the most receptions in Ottawa football history. 445 in 183 games played in the CFL, or 138 games, sorry. He has now reached 501 receptions, 5,641 yards. Congratulations, Sinopoli. Speaking of Sinopoli, Ottawa has re-signed five Canadians to two-year extensions, Brad Sinopoli being one, uh, Alex Mateus being another, Brandon Gillinder's J.P. Beaulieu and Nigel Romick all have got two-year extensions. CFL will hold a global player combine in Mexico, Europe, and Japan spanning from January to March of next year. BC Lions have given Ed Hervey an extension through 2021. And... This last one we're going to discuss here, because I want to rip into Ottawa. Red Blacks parted ways with Rick Campbell. Now, i got to make the distinction here. He was not fired by Ottawa. What happened was, he did not want to return if the GM came back and status it was going to remain status quo, which is, for some reason, Ottawa decided to keep the GM who gave them the worst talent in the entire league, which is not Rick Campbell's fault. That's that's a personnel thing. That's a general manager. Now, Rick got three wins out of this team. A, le- a lesser coach, this team's probably 0-18. Like, they're that bad. They have no quarterback to speak of. Their receivers, at best, their best receiver is probably a receiver two or three on another team. Their defense isn't that good. It just the only player I can think of that's maybe the best at their spot is Richie Leone. Like Taylor, can you can you help me understand why they would make this move? Oh, uh, I I don't know why they did it this way. When Rick Campbell said, "Look, it's like he basically said it's either me or the GM," and they sided with the they GM. Cho- like I I yeah. That that angers me. You chose the GM who gave you garbage this year over well, exactly. an like, elite yeah. CFL coach. Are you kidding? Yeah. Me? You know? He he lowballed all these players and 
kick them all off and then they wanted to leave and you left Rick Campbell with nothing. And I mean, he just won a great cup a few years ago. Like, it's not like he's a bad coach at all. Like he's a great coach. He got the best out of Trevor Harris. He could, they had great years with Henry Burris. So I think it's one of the worst moves they could have made. I think it should have been and Desjardins should have been kicked out. Yeah. I thought without question, Desjardins was going to be out the door at the end of the year, but for some reason they like, decided to, you know, him over Rick Campbell. Are you kidding me? You know? Well, and Desjardins had one year left on his contract. So you're going to bring him back for this final year so he can scrape together some pieces just for one year. And then he doesn't have to deal with it. Yeah. So it's not like, it's not like if he does bad, he's not going to be like, Oh, well there's next year, you know, we'll have to get better. No, he's done. So I, I think it was a terrible choice. Yeah. This, this is this this move just frustrates the heck out of me. Oh, I think me too. You just Ottawa. That was that was. I don't know how even to describe it. What kind of dysfunctional organization would make this kind of move? It reminds me of the Cleveland Browns in the NFL when they got rid of Bill Belichick of all people as their head coach. They fired Bill Belichick. Yeah. You know, that's what this reminds me of. Because you're you're firing an elite coach. And unlike Bill Belichick, Rick Campbell is established as an elite coach at that t- at this point in time. He wasn't when he got fired from Cleveland. But, yeah. Yeah, like, I just, I don't understand what they were thinking. Like, what is Desjardins going to give you, you know? You saw what he could do this year. He, he lowballed all your star talent, all of your main talent left for another team, and they're bad-mouthing your franchise talking about this. And, well, and you decide to keep like, the guy who caused all those problems? Are you kidding me? Yeah. yeah. And, like, you have another year that you're going to have to rebuild because players aren't going to want to come here next year when they find out, well, the head coach wanted to leave, and we have the GM for one more year, but we don't have any talent. Like, who's going to want to sign there? Like, people are going to rather sign in Toronto, even. Yeah. Like, it's, it's I just think it's a terrible decision by that office up yeah, I I'd like to know what they were thinking, honestly, because this is yeah, this, absolutely. this is probably one of the worst moves I've seen in a long time in the CFL. Yeah. So on to our game time cues for this week. Well, Montreal's passive defense in their season early. What do you think, Taylor? Uh no, I don't think their season in is ending early this week. Uh I think they're gonna pull it off against Edmonton. I think their defense play the best but they'll do enough to get them the win and move on to play Hamilton yeah I think their defense is gonna bend and not break that old cliche that people describe Richie Hall as I think they're gonna do well enough BA is a winner so even if that defense lets them down I still think they're gonna find a way to win this game he does so on to Winnipeg versus Calgary can Zach have another uh, good performance against the Stamps you know, I think he'll have a good performance, but not good enough to get the win. Um, it was different last game. He started, they were in Winnipeg, they had the crowd behind him, the weather wasn't that bad, and now they're going into Calgary where the crowd's going to be yelling at him, uh, the weather's not going to be the nicest, and yeah, like you're you're in Calgary. That is one of the toughest places to play in the season. I mean, in fairness, Winnipeg weather I don't think was great for that game. Uh, Winnipeg weather isn't really very nice, so 
do I think he can have yeah. another game like that? I don't know. I I really I I don't. I'm not on Kolaros Island. Sorry, Derek Taylor. I, I'm not a. I'm not a. <laughs> I'm not a believer in Zach Kolaros. So. I I don't think he is gonna have a great game. I think maybe they can still win. Like they still have a chance. I think he can just manage the game, but I don't think he's gonna win it for them. If that makes sense. Yeah, me. Yeah, me neither. Like, yeah, I think he can keep them in the game, but yeah, I don't think he's gonna have enough in the tank to get the win this week. Yeah, for sure. So on to our prediction segment here. For me, I have Montreal beating Edmonton and Winnipeg beating Calgary. I just, I feel like Zach is going to do well against Calgary as he just seems to do and get the W. Zach attack. Let's go. Let's go. (laughs) I got uh, Montreal beating Edmonton this week. I think it should be a cakewalk for Montreal, but we'll see what happens. And uh, I have Calgary beaten Winnipeg. I don't think you can pick against Calgary in Calgary with Zach playing his second game of the year. There's a lot to look forward to, and I think it's going to be a closer game than some people might think, but I think Calgary walks away with it in the end. Um, I'm going with, uh, I think I'm also going with Montreal. I mean, I think everybody that you talk to is to go with Montreal. I mean, Edmonton could surprise you, but for the most part, everyone's sort of on the same page about that one. Uh, and then I'm going with Winnipeg over Calgary. Main reason for that is just because we the better comp of the game with the passing game, and especially with how cold it's going to get. I don't know, like if they're practicing running game in the, they're just doing the passing. With the Bombers already having that established running game, that could help them out a ton if one or the other starts to slow down. Yeah, no doubt. Yeah, I agree with that. So. That concludes the show. You can find us on YouTube, Spotify, SoundCloud. Just search True North CFL Podcast. You can find our Twitter. Our at is True North CFL Pod. You can search us up on Instagram, True North CFL Pod. Please like, share, and subscribe on YouTube. Tell your friends about the show. Otherwise, this is the True North CFL Podcast signing off.